first time though. Pastor's uh, on vacation. I thought we might just do a song to kind of see if we can just usher in the presence of the Lord. Invite the Holy Spirit into this message, into this sanctuary, into our hearts. Father, we just worship you tonight. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your precious anointing. Hallelujah. We thank you for all the wonderful things you've put into our life, Lord. We're just so blessed. We give you all praise and glory tonight. We worship you from the depths of our heart tonight. We love you tonight. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit that fills our, our bodies, our temples. And we just give you all praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. going to do an old one. If you want to stand, you can stand. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Sing that again. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Let that be your prayer. Cause you're the living water Never dying fountain You're the comforter and counselor Take complete control Welcome Holy Spirit We are in your presence Come fill us with your power Live inside of me Cause you're the living Comforter counselor, take complete control. You're the living water, the never dying fountain. You're the comforter in your presence. 
distance Fill us with your power Lord, fill us with your power Fill us with your power Take complete control worship you tonight, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Fill each heart tonight with your knowledge as we hunger and thirst for the hidden manna, Lord, from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. played a little bit longer, but uh, we're having fill-ins tonight. We don't really know how to pull up all the lyrics on our screen, so I thought, well, we'll just ask the Holy Spirit to come in. Should I use this mic? Okay. All right. We'll go ahead and use the one I got here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Be exalted, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, everybody's saying we didn't quite get the red wave that everybody was wanting and believing for. But let me tell you something. We woke up this morning, and Pam said something that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, uh, you know, how many of you know God doesn't need a red wave? And I think the thing that the church, <laughs> one of the things the church is missing is we're focused on stuff like a red wave. We need to be focused on Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. God doesn't need a red wave to, to work wonders in this nation. He doesn't need any politician to do anything to turn America around. God can do that. And let me tell you something. God's doing a work in the church right now. Uh, he's not really so much working on America. That's the church's job which we have failed miserably at. And, uh, well, he's doing some work on the church right now. And let me tell you, if, if we're ready, uh, he feeds us. The reason why we haven't gotten farther down the road is our hearts just aren't right. we got to learn how to pray for our enemies. I don't know about you, but I don't like doing that. And I've, had a, I've struggled with the Lord, and that's one of the things this morning... I woke up and I said, Lord, you know, we, we've got to learn how to be hurt and pained, pained and anguished at all the lost people in this country that are going to go to hell. And it really should break our hearts, even though we may not like them and they're, they're, they're uh, scandalizing our, our children, indoctrinating our kids and doing all this horrible stuff. We've got to find a way to pray for them and wish sincerely that God will turn them around. And I think that's the missing link. I really do. And when the church learns how to do that, then we can get our little red wave that everybody's waiting on. But, you know, that, that's the word. And, and, and let me tell you something else. The, the Holy Spirit showed Pam. It's the Gideon syndrome. God's thinning down the herd. 
You know, I, I feel like I woke up this morning. God said, no, nah, no, nah, it, it ain't going to be that easy. You're not going to get your little red wave and then go back to, you know, at the first of this year, 2022, I happened to preach in January up here. And one of the first things I said is what the Holy Spirit was telling me for this new season is we can't have church like we used to anymore, but we're still doing it. You know, I preach that, and everybody's, yeah, amen, hallelujah. And then we go right back to having church like we are. Well, we, and what do we do different? We don't really know. But, listen, we've got to seek the Lord on this. we got, Lord, what does it mean not to have church the same? We, we've got we to, gotta, man, we've got to get down and start fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. Amen? Well, enough of that. We're talking, starting a series tonight uh, on walking in the blessing. Has everybody got one of the handouts? Nobody needs one. Okay. It's just a little fun thing we do. Um, But uh, walking in the blessing. How many of y'all would say you are walking in the blessing? Hey, Brother Jeff. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for bringing Jeff back to our congregation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing, Lord. What a blessing. Amen. Yeah. Amen, and here you are walking into the church. I'm, I'm, I'm believing God for complete, total wholeness and restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, we're talking about the blessed life, walking in the blessing. And today we're going to start on blessed is the nation. And then as time goes, we'll get more into the individual blessing of individuals. But let's go to our first scripture, Brother John. Psalms 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. You know, we're a nation of kings and priests. We're living stones in the hands of him who created us. And he's making, he's building a living edifice. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, that, what he's building is a living organism. It's a church of living stones, you and me. And he's making us kings and priests. We're a chosen generation. We're his inheritance. Hallelujah. I like the way. Now, just to be sure, I, I, I pulled this up. Uh, the, the Amplified, the classic Amplified says, Blessed, and then in parentheses it says, Happy, fortunate, and to be envied is the nation whose God is the Lord. How many of you know America, it still is, as bad as we've gotten and as down as we've gone, 
there's still people coveting to come into this nation. They envy this. They, they want to get here. They'll do anything they can to get here because we are still a blessed nation. Now, as the weeks go, you're going to see that's dwindling. I know it doesn't look like it now, but it certainly isn't God's fault. God desires to bless. And if it were up to God, we'd all be walking in the maximum blessing. Uh, so, bless is the nation whose God is the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to our second scripture here and fill in this first blank if you want to. Walking in the blessing, here's what I want you to understand. It's a choice. It's a choice. If you're not walking in the blessing, you know what? It's no one's fault but your own. I can honestly tell you, I've pastored, Pam and I have pastored uh, three churches. We've been Bible school. We've done, you know, a lot of ministry over the years, prison ministry, all kinds of stuff. And for a lot of those years, most of those years, we struggled. And it seemed like, I, I would even find times where I'd cry out to God, God, it seems more like I'm cursed than I'm blessed. What is going on here? And we were. We were walking in the curses. And only here recently, you know, the last, since really COVID and all this stuff started hitting, did we start really nestling into the blessing and, and just feel the hand of God scoop us up into to his presence and into a place of blessing? Uh, so I feel somewhat unqualified to really teach on this, but nonetheless, this is what the Lord wanted uh, me to, to teach this series on. So it's a choice. He said, uh, wow, can we get that little square off there? <laughs> he said, I'm working on it. That's uh, okay. There you go. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life. Choose. There's, there's the choice. Choose blessing. Choose life. It's up to you. Make the choice so that both you and your descendants may live. Now, this is in Deuteronomy, and that's kind of where we're going to be hanging out tonight. We're going to skip over to the New Testament a little bit later, briefly. But I really want to get in tonight not so much defining what the blessing is and what the cursing is but just kind of familiarizing you with some of the things and the highlights of it and uh what's involved in staying in it uh but deuteronomy is the the second law giving this is the second generation of the children of israel who had spent 40 years roaming in the wilderness and their parents now are dying off and so moses gives again the law of God to this new generation of people and there's something I'm going to want you to really pay attention to tonight and I I recommend we're not we don't have time to go into all that I really wanted to but I recommend you if you want to really study the blessing and get in plugged into this series that we're doing to read Deuteronomy 28 29 and 30 pray over it study it read them over several times pray ask God to show you new things and because there's some things I really really want you to recognize and the first thing would be number three if we want to fill this in we'll look at this uh, walking in the blessing requires strict 
obedience to the word. Strict obedience. Now, we're going to find out a little later the faith is involved when we get over to the New Testament. But right now, I want you to focus on obedience because one of the things, here's one of the problems in the church. Well, for one, a lot of people can't even hear God. Their minds are too cluttered up. You've got the TV on too long. You're distracted with so much junk that you can't even hear the Holy Spirit. Uh, the other problem is when we do, we don't obey him quickly, instantly. And, uh, you know, one of the things when we started, which I'm going to put in a little plug tomorrow night, is uh, at me and Pam's house we're doing Ignite the Fire, so please, everyone's invited. Uh, that's been really great. We've uh, had some wonderful teachings there, and we have uh, we pray for each other. We've had some great healings take place, so I encourage you to just come and be a part of that. Uh, ignite the fire tonight or tomorrow night at me and Pam's house. The information will be on the screen at church tomorrow or Sunday. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we've got brochures out there. Yeah, we've got brochures uh, on your way out if you want to grab one. But uh, one of the things, you know, is the first lesson I preached on Ignite the Fire I, I kind of hurled a dart at one of the people that came to the meeting. And I'm real bad about that as a teacher because I'll, 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 I have a bad habit. I'll just teach right to you. If I hear you say something, you know, and it's like, ding, red flag, uh, that's uh, this, you know, and I will. Uh, I, and so when I started to say it, Holy Spirit said, don't do it. And I hesitated, and Pam saw me hesitate, and then I said it anyway. And I go, uh-oh. And the people haven't been back since. But, uh, and it wasn't that it was wrong. What I was saying was exactly right, but it wasn't the right way. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't convict anybody of any right or wrong or anything. And that's what I was trying to do, uh, trying to lead the Holy Spirit instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. And that's been a problem of my teaching for a long, many years. And I'm just getting to the place where, see, I heard his voice at least. I heard it and I hesitated. Problem is I bulled right through like a bull in a china closet. And yeah, and then, then Pam called me out the next day. She said, Terry, you shouldn't have done that, blah, blah, blah. And I, she, she's always calling me out. And I'm like, you're right, I know. She said, you even hesitated and you did it anyway. I go, I know, I know. And she said, you need to call them up. So I called them on the phone. I said, look, I'm sorry. You know, I hurled a dart at you. I was out of line. I'm so sorry. And she said, I don't even know what you're talking about, which she did. She just graciously kind of said she didn't didn't feel anything. But long story short, I did my part. I repented. I heard the Holy Spirit say, son, you need to repent. Do it now. And if I wouldn't have done that, it would have just wrecked the whole Ignite the Fire ministry. It would have wrecked my whole. And my teaching, the anointing will be gone until I get right. And we've got to learn how to stop brushing off the Holy Spirit. It takes, if you want to walk in the blessing, it takes strict obedience to the Word of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do it now. Don't wait. Because what, what, what happens when you wait? You've got a little door that's cracked open for the devil. He just comes barreling in there, 
and that root of bitterness will start setting up and many around you will become defiled. One of the biggest revelations we've gotten here lately. And that's the problem with, with a lot of our churches. Why there's no power in our churches because people are filled up with offense, filled up with sin and messed up and they're not listening to the Holy Spirit and there's root of bitterness is taking root down here and they can't, they can't get free. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand it. And many around become defiled. They bring the spirit in the church. And it's just an uphill battle. Church, we've got to start listening. If you want to walk in the blessed life, this is number one. Obey. Now, I'm not preaching a works mentality. I'm not doing that. We're going to find it. It's by faith. But does, let me just ask you this. Does faith nullify obedience? Of course not. No, if we're walking in true faith and we truly love God, like what did Jesus say? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? Obedience is the number one thing. Pursue holiness with all men, it says in Hebrews. And, and, and uh, pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And it goes on to talk about that root of bitterness. Lest there be any profane person like Esau who sold his birthright which was our opening scripture, <clears throat> we are his inheritance. We have a birthright, right? It's his kingdom that we inherit, and Holy Spirit and Jesus, the whole works, we inherit all of it. It's all yours and mine. And, and so what happens is we get that root of bitterness, though, and it defiles everything. And we don't know how to obey God anymore. We can't. And listen, how does a hardened heart develop? by violating the conscience that God gave you. And every time I violate my God-given conscience, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And when we violate it, we violate it, we violate it over and over and over. Next thing you know, our heart's so hardened, we can't even hear Holy Spirit. I know this ain't a jump up and down hallelujah word, but let's look at uh, Deuteronomy 28 now. Uh, what do I got? Verse 1, and I'm also, I know you don't have it uh, up there. I made a boo-boo, but I'm going to also go to verse 2 as well. And uh, hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm. 28. All right. Listen to this. If you fully, uh, well, I'll read it. I'm going to read it from here because I got an NLT pulled up here. Now, it shall come to pass if you diligently, see, that's why I said it requires strict obedience, not just mediocre, not like Saul's obedience. Oh, well, yeah, I kind of did that. No. Obey. And this is what I was going to say a while ago. I want you to pay. If you'll read 28, 29, and 30, you're going to see this over. And, I mean, God makes Moses go out of his way to repeat this 50, 60 times. That, that's pretty heavy. Diligently, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully, see, here's another, you know, all these descriptive words, all his commandments, not some of them, all, which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And I'm going to go ahead and go to number two. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. That's the biggest 
two-letter word in the universe, if. And that's one thing you got to learn about the blessing is the if. You'll be blessed if you diligently obey everything I'm saying today. Every single dot, every, every tittle, every jot, tittle, every, everything. Don't leave anything undone because it'll cost you the blessing. Took me 30 years to get this. I don't know if I can say this in church, but they used to call me half-ass Harris. And that's that's what I did. I spent my whole life skating by. I didn't even have a job until I was Pam, really. I mean, I had some, but I mean, we, we traveled in rock and roll bands, traveling around all the U.S. playing bands and gigs and doing dope, partying. Didn't have a care in the world, skating by, halfway getting by, well, just enough to get to the next place, the next town, another little bit of money, another, you know, no, no. That's not going to cut it. With God, if we're, if we're going to walk in his blessing, we need to diligently obey everything he's telling us to do. Everything. Hmm. Number four. No enemy can stand against the nation who is blessed. No enemy can stand against the nation who is blessed. Now listen. There was a time where no one could stand against America. But how many of you remember 9-11? And that's the first sign that our hedge, we're going to go into hedges maybe next, uh, next week. But uh, there's national hedges on the national level, and then there's individual hedges on an individual level. And we may get to that next week. If not, we'll do it the one after that. But that was the first sign that our hedge of blessing was deteriorating. Because we turned away from God. We did not diligently obey as a nation. Now remember, tonight we're talking about a nation. We'll get into individuals at a later date. But uh, because we didn't diligently obey God and do all the things. Now, I've said this before. There was a time when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s as a little kid that uh, Hollywood had a higher moral standard than what we see in a lot of churches today. You know, the uh, Leave it to Beaver, the, the Dick Van Dyke. You know, if there's a mom and dad are in the bedroom, you saw twin beds. They wouldn't even dare show a one double bed that implied they slept in the same bed. That was a moral standard in Hollywood back in the 50s. Look how far we've gone down. And in 30 years, we'll get to this at the end of the service, but if that's about all it took, less than a generation, our hedge starts to deteriorate. Less than a generation. That hedge of blessing starts to come down, and 9-11 was a big harbinger. You know, Jonathan Kahn has some excellent writings on this, and one of the things that intrigues me most about his writings is the parallel that he, he brings out between Israel and America. Literally, things happening on the same exact date in America just like they did in Israel for the same reasons. We are literally a covenant nation with God, the only other nation in the world besides Israel who is founded on a covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Bless his holy name. But no enemy should be able to stand against us, and never had until then. And uh, so when that happened, remember, all the people started going to church? Remember that? And then three weeks later, they're just back to normal and not staying in church because Jesus wasn't there. Holy Spirit wasn't in the church because we were damaged goods even back then. And you know what? We didn't wake up to that harbinger. And when COVID hit, we didn't wake up to that, which is crazy because 9-11 was 19 years prior to 2020 COVID. And if you'll look at, here's one of the parallels between Israel and America. When Israel first came down as a divided nation, the northern tribes went down first in 605. And then the prophets began to prophesy, Judah, you better pay attention to these harbingers. You better wake up because it's coming your way. If you don't, you better diligently obey the Lord and you better repent. They didn't do it. And 19 years later in 586, Babylon came and took them away. 19 years we got our first harbinger here in America in 9-11, and then 19 years later, boom, 2020 and COVID hit. So Deuteronomy 28, and I'm going to do 7 and 8. Uh, so I'm going to read 7 first. And uh, I'm sorry, John, I just I forgot to slip these in. Uh, let's see, 7 and 8, okay. And I'm reading, I, I'm going to go ahead and... Now, I'm going to keep it on the, the, you got them? Well, the Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Now, before you go to the next one, let me just, let me just add something here. This is not only physical, this is spiritual. How I many you know we got an enemy coming against your family, against your mind? He doesn't want you walking in the blessings of God. The God of this world, Satan, 2 Corinthians 4 4, says Satan's the God of this world and he blinds the minds of those who don't obey the gospel of God. So his, his whole life's purpose is to keep you and I from seeing the light and walking in the blessing. He's going to keep you distracted keep you all bound up with all this stuff that doesn't matter anyway, doesn't amount to a hill of beans, if you'll just obey the Word of God. Okay, let's go to the next one. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. Now we've got prosperity coming in to the picture. And in all to which you set your hand. We're going to get into this later as we get to individuals. Uh, next week to all which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you and listen we've got a promised land spiritually speaking too that's where the blessing is the promised the New Testament promised land Ephesians 1 3 I like it it's that's one of my favorite scriptures you know where he he's Paul says blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has past tense blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's the promised land in Christ Jesus. 
He, he's not holding back anything. He's already blessed you and me with everything, all, all things that we needed for life and godliness. He's given them to us. We've just got to take a hold of it and dispossess the demons. See, how many of you know, when we, we cross the Red Sea, a lot of people think when we cross that Red Sea, God, he said, I'm going to get rid of these Egyptians. You'll never have to worry about them again. And so they take that as a type of... I know, Never have to worry about demons again. No, that's not. You don't ever have to worry about being lost once you get saved, unless you're stupid enough to walk away and denounce your Christianity. But you don't ever have to worry about it again. But guess what? The place where you're heading has even bigger, badder, worse demons. Occupying your territory. Occupying your blessings. Standing between the promises of God and you. Staring at you with intimidating eyes and intimidating odds, seemingly impossible odds, you've got to find a way to get a hold of it. Slay the giants and get a hold of it and possess your land. And this is one of the, look, he says, I'll command, if you'll obey, that's the key. If you'll obey, I'll command the blessing. I'll go out ahead of you. I'll slay every giant. You won't have to worry about sickness and disease. You won't have to worry about money. You won't have to worry about anything. I'll bless you. I'll command the blessing. Hallelujah. Let me read this in the verse 8 in the New, New Living Translation. It's been kind of one of my favorite little translations here lately. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything that you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. Hallelujah. So, and then verse 9, I like that. If, there's another if, you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then he'll establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. How many of you know when the Lord swears to do a thing, he's not going to go back on his word? The only problem is the if. It, and that, that rests with you and me. He says, I'm good for it if you'll do this. I'm good for the rest. Ooh, it's awful quiet in here. Anybody getting anything out of this? Amen. All right, number five. A nation blessed by God will be a prosperous nation. You know, America's always been up until now. Look, the devil's now. He's eating away at our prosperity. Now, since COVID has hit, and really since, uh, I don't know, baby, when did we move into our house? 2018? January 2019. Since then, we've experienced the greatest financial blessing, just blessing of just abundant blessings in every area since then, and through what would probably be the worst time in a lot of people's lives. We've moved into this place of just extreme blessing, and I praise God for it. I thank him. It's nothing we did except diligently pray and try to pay attention to his voice and obey. Other than that, we, didn't, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve this. But uh, verse, okay, we just read verse 9, if you obey. But here, here's another one uh, qualifier in verse 12. The Lord will send rain at its proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work that you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow 
from them. Well, we're borrowing so much money now, we are in debt trillions of dollars. Just since the Bush era, have we gone from being in national debt to billions to multi, multi trillions. I mean, this is astronomical, people. The devil is trying to take our country away from us. He's trying to pollute and take our children. He's trying to shut down the church. He's, in case you haven't noticed, he's making his move. And it's not a time for us to be sitting down, doing stuff as we always do. If nothing else, step up your praying and add a little fasting to it. If nothing else. Because I realize everybody's not called behind a pulpit or called to go build churches and this and that. But you can pray like never before. As a matter of fact, some of the most rewarded saints in heaven, I believe, will be the intercessors who quietly pray from the house. Never had stood behind a pulpit, were never even recognized by anyone in the church. But they were weepers and warriors. Weeping between the porch and the altar. Standing in the gap for a fallen people and a fallen nation. Whose hearts are broken because of it all. God, God works and listens to a person like that. Okay. Number six. It takes faith to walk in the blessing. Let's go to the New Testament, John. Galatians 3.10. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now stay there for a second. Here's a big problem with church people. Uh, Like I said earlier, I'm not preaching works here. I'm preaching obedience out of love with all the right motives behind it. God looks at the inward man. Remember that. He's not looking at our outward works. But the problem with a lot of people is there is a religious spirit infiltrated the church long ago. And we'll talk more about this in later dates. But this religious spirit has ruined so many Christians who think they're doing okay. And they do. They love the Lord and everything, but bless their hearts. They're infected with a religious spirit. And so when they do things to obey, it's done with the wrong motive. It's done in a legalistic type of way, which puts them under the law. And they think, uh, and even some preachers are guilty of this. Look, I believe, I'm, I believe in tithing. We, we each year try to give, we, some, last year I think gave above the tithe. But if you're preaching tithing, you better not do it in a legalistic way saying you're going to be cursed and you're motivating them to tithe only so they cannot be cursed. Now, if you're not tithing or giving, now, personally, we don't have time. We're not teaching on tithing tonight. But the New Covenant did do away with the tithe. Paul says, it's found in 1 Corinthians 9. Paul says, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He doesn't say he who tithes will be blessed and free from... He says he who sows a little bit will be rewarded a little bit. He who sows abundantly will 
reap abundantly. That's the New Testament law for giving, and it should be done from a heart of love and gratitude, thanksgiving. I'm thankful, Lord, you've given this to me. I gladly and hilariously give this back to you. That's the New Testament. Now, any preacher who is threatening you to be under a curse because you don't tithe. And I heard, I've heard, you remember uh, Reverend Polk? I, we used to love him, Pentecostal preacher, uh, bishop, and back in the TBN days. And uh, he, I, I was watching TV one day. He goes, if you're not tithing, you're going to hell. I just like me and Pam looked at each other. I don't think we ever listened to him again. And it's like 15 years later, his church got all messed up. He was messing around with the organist in an inappropriate relationship, cheating on his wife. But listen, don't put somebody under the law because you can't obey the law. When you're putting someone under the law or you're doing a works that's motivated from a legalistic point of view, you're placing yourself under the law and you're placing yourself under a curse because you can't keep the law. Let's go to our next one. But that no one's justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Okay? Let's keep going. Yet the law is not of faith. See, strict obedience for the wrong reasons is not faith. Are you getting that? Strict obedience... And beating someone over the head with your Bible, that's not faith. But the man who does them, I'm going to add this, he better live by them. If you're going to preach the law, by God, you better keep it. And you can't. Is there anything after that? Well, okay, let's go to him. Here. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Stay there for a second. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, does that mean the curse doesn't exist anymore? No, it's out there. The curse has been out there since Genesis 3.14. Since... But it's, as soon as Eve and Adam disobeyed God and went their own way, the curse came. In Genesis 3.15, God pronounced the curse, but he also pronounced the blessing. In the Proto-Evangelum, Christ, whose heel would be bruised. Hallelujah. Woo! So the curse is still out there, but Christ has redeemed you from it. And there's a New Testament promised land waiting for you and me. Let's go to the next one. Why did he do that? Why did he hang on that cross? So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. So I love this. So here, we're talking about the Mosaic blessing and curses, right? The Abrahamic blessing precedes this but it's the same it's the same blessing and the same cursing that happened when the when when God placed man in the garden he blessed them 
And that's, this is the same blessing we're talking about. Essentially restores us back to the Edenic, Edenic covenant and condition. Paradise. Hallelujah. That his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I realize I'm not preaching kingdom uh, theology here. I realize that's going to happen in the future. But how many of you know right now, right now, we can, we can walk and live because the kingdom of God is within you. And he rules. The kingdom simply means he who reigns in that territory. That's his domain, the king's domain. This is his domain. This is his temple. And I can walk in. I can have heaven, a little bit of heaven right here, right now, walking in that blessing that goes all the way back to Genesis first chapter when he put them in there. And then by the time the third chapter gets there, the curse came. That preceded even Abraham. But it's the same curse. Death, sickness, lack, fear, all those things. That's part of the curse. How many Christians are full of these things? Number seven, walking in the flesh, or you could say walking in disobedience. Walking in the flesh opens us up to the curses. See, just like America, we saw the head start to fall at 9-11. Started dwindling away. Why? Because we started walking in the flesh. We disregarded God. We started disobeying God. We kicked God out of our schools, out of our nation. And as a result, we opened ourselves up to the cursing. Wasn't anything God did. Galatians 5, 16. Hallelujah. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're going to walk in the lust of the flesh, you're opening yourself up to the curse. If you'll walk in the Spirit, you'll never have to worry about it. You know, I heard Chip Brim the other day say something that was really powerful. Uh, He said, and, and now look, I know, We're not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe probably most everybody in this room has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaks in tongues. If not, please seek after it. Uh, But he said, anyone filled with the Spirit or walking in the Spirit has never cheated on his wife. No no preacher uh, that's walking in the Spirit has ever... Uh, lost his church because he's, you know, uh, some bad thing he did. No, if we're walking in the Spirit, you're not obeying all those fleshly lusts and those things. You're not opening yourself up to the curses. You're keeping the door closed to the devil. And if you'll keep the door closed to the devil, guess what? You're going to constantly walk in victory. Doesn't mean we won't have challenges. Doesn't mean the devil won't come knocking on our door and present us with opportunities to disregard God, but all you've got to do is put him in his place. Now, sometimes that's easier. I realize that's easier said than done. You get someone as stubborn as I am, it's, it, I make it really hard on myself, much harder <laughs> than it has to be. Good Pamela said, I'm like a bull in a china closet, and that is the, about the closest thing to the truth you can get. But, you know, the good thing is, I discovered about 30 years ago that Jesus is real. And, and all this, this is real. This is all real. This isn't a game. 
this is real. And when I discovered that, I started going to school from day one. And I set my heart to learn from that very day. And I'm not perfect. I'm far from it, but I'm learning. And I continue to learn. And I repent whenever it's pointed out to me. I'm getting better at that now. I used to fight God. God would bring something up to me, and I'd go months and months and months. Never repent of it, just because of pride. And I, it took a long time to realize I, I've left the door wide open to the devil. And guess what? Here's what happens. Here's the problem with opening the door to the devil. I mean, as bad as it is, but you know what it does? At the same time you open the door to the devil, you just close the door to Jesus. There's only one door there. You open it up, the devil comes in, and you just shut Jesus out over here. Now, when I repent, shut that door, I close the devil out, and Jesus is back in. That's how it works. God wants us to walk in obedience. You know, I remember teaching one time, and people don't want to hear this, but perfection is the goal and God expects us to walk towards perfection he said be ye holy as he is holy be like God now if that were totally impossible he wouldn't be asking us would he and I remember one time at the first church we pastored I gave a little illustration I said well what if you woke up one morning and uh, because the, the popular thing is, even in the Pentecostal circles, is, well, no one can go a day without sinning, you know. Uh, well, that's just not true. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. If, you, if, if that's the truth, woe are we. But I gave this little simple illustration, just a make-believe scenario. Let's say I woke up. I, I, I woke up from dreaming prophetic dream that the Lord gave me and then I'm praising God all morning and I eat breakfast I give thanks for my food and and I go to church and we're worshiping God all day and I get home we we eat lunch pray over my food at lunch and uh, let's say an evil thought comes to me but I cast it down I take a hold of I say I bind you devil I disregard that thought in the name of Jesus and I continue to do that until the devil flees and then I go to church at night and then by the time I come home and I'm going to bed, I'm saying my prayers at night, I just went through a day without sinning. And they looked at me like, oh, oh blasphemy. No, but it's, it, church, it's not that hard. And if we could do that more and more and more and more and more, I guarantee you, your, your blessing, your cursing would turn into blessing real fast. Now, of course, here's, here's the devil's sneaky, though. You start doing that, you start getting real obedient, then the religious spirit will come on you. You'll start getting legalistic. You, if you're not, there's such a delicate balance. You'll start thinking you're something when you're nothing. You'll start putting your confidence in your knowledge of the Word rather than God. I love the fact that I've got a, a vast, what I would consider a vast knowledge of God's Word for 30 years of study, and but... I, that's one of the things God had to teach me. Son, you're, you're putting some confidence in your knowledge of the Word. You don't know anything. Stay focused on Jesus. He's the living Word. And so there are, and don't get me wrong, it's a, it's a tough, but listen, God, that's what God wants for us. And when we have a wrong thought, come, we need to bind it. We cannot let things go into our life un 
challenged when the devil comes. So walking in the flesh, number seven, opens us up to the curses. Now, look at number eight. This is real interesting. Here are some signs of uh, curses or walking in disobedience. This is what happens when we open ourselves up because we're walking in the flesh and not the spirit. Confusion, sickness, poverty, spiritual blindness, captivity. Let's go to those scriptures, uh, Brother John. Deuteronomy 28, 27. For the Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab, and with the itch. I don't know about all that, but I I don't want to (laughs) know. From which, look, this always has intrigued me, from which you can't be healed. How many of you know there's there's all this stuff going on now? Uh, especially since all this stuff going on with the jab, jab-a-dab. Doctors don't know what's going on. I, I don't understand. I've never seen anything like this. We can't get it under control. I don't. Well, devil's at work. The curse is upon people. And they've opened themselves up somehow. And they can't be healed until repentance comes. And if repentance comes, boom. God is merciful and quick to move in, quick to forgive. The Lord will strike you with madness. Have we gone mad in today's world? Is there... And blindness and confusion of heart. There's that spiritual blindness. You know, all this stuff started going on, and me and Pam would just scratch our heads. How can people not see this? Because they're spiritually deceived. They're, they're falling into this last day's deception. Jesus said, take heed that no one deceive you. Well, it's happened. Deception is a horrible thing because you don't know you're deceived. You think you're right. You think you're okay, but you're not. Let's go to the next scripture. Twenty-eight. Oh, 29. It it says it's going to go through to 32. Is is it stuck? Okay. I got it. Uh, So what do we hit? We're on 29 now. Here we go. Um, Okay. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your way, and you shall be only oppressed and plundered continually. And no one shall save you. Let's go on. You will be engaged to a woman. This is the new living. But another man will sleep with her. Hey, broken families, divorce. has just gone crazy in America now. The fidelity is out the window. You, 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 I, I'm so glad I've been married for 30, what, 32 years now. We've been together and... I couldn't imagine being out in the world today trying to look for someone who's going to be faithful and someone I can trust because the curse is everywhere. It's it's everywhere. You'll build a house that someone else will live in it. You'll plant a vineyard, but you'll never enjoy its fruit. Your ox will be butchered before your eyes, but you will not eat a single bite of the meat. Your donkey will be taken from you, never to be returned. Your sheep and goats will be given to your enemies and no one will be there to help you. How many people are there? Have you noticed how many 
homeless people are all out in the streets. They're everywhere now, living under bridges. And there's no one to help. Nobody. They're living in a curse. I tried to minister to one a few days ago because where I work, I'm always engaging with homeless people. And I, I, I walked up to the guy, and he's a nice guy. I said, you know, the Bible says that the Lord says uh, well, first I started talking to him about God, and he goes, well, I go to this Pentecostal church over here every Sunday. He, he, wait, he wakes up and walks over there. I said, well, you know, the Bible says that God said, I've never seen the righteous nor forsaken nor begging for bread. You know, He's never seen his seed forsaken nor the righteous uh, begging for bread. And he just, he just keeps talking, saying, well, yeah, I, yeah, this is a good church. Like he just bounced right off of him. And I just praise God when someone... When I was young in the Lord and I began to realize this is real, and someone would say something like that to me, I'd go, really? And that's what I did with healing. You mean Jesus took my healing? Why am I sick? And I didn't just leave it hanging there. I dug in. And I found a way to begin to walk in divine health. Because I simply didn't just let it bounce off of me and just half-ass my way on down the road. No, diligently obey. Observe every commandment. Meditate on it day and night. Hallelujah. You will watch as your sons and daughters are taken away as slaves. How many parents have watched their kids wanting to change their sex now? You know, they passed a law recently where children, minors, can have their sex changed without permission from mom and dad. That's exactly what this is saying. Your heart will break for them, but you won't be able to help them. Why? Because the curse has got a hold of them. The curse is reigning in that whole situation. And if people would wake up and repent, and truly repent, We've been talking about this, this in Ignite the Fire. Has been, our subject has been repentance, metanoia. Uh, meta means to change. Uh, noia comes from no, noeo, which is of the mind, to think. So it means to change your mind, change your thinking. It doesn't mean to feel sorry. Judas felt sorry for what he did, but then he hung himself. Esau felt bad for selling his birthright, his inheritance, and sought it diligently with tears. But he never got it back. He never got it, did he? Why? And both of them, look, I think both of them could have been saved and gotten regained. But they didn't change their thinking. There was no repentance there. There was no metanoia. If they would have changed, if Esau... See, Esau is always depicted in the Bible as a fleshly indulger. Ah, the things of the Spirit aren't important to him. <laughs> Judas spent all that time with Jesus himself. Ah, he's just a good teacher. He was sorry for what he did, but he never changed his thinking. Jesus isn't just a good teacher. Jesus is God. He could have been saved. But he never changed his thinking. So you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. Insanity, madness, craziness all around us. 
Let's go to, have you got verse 64? Here's, here's another problem. Idolatry. You get hung up in the curse, guess what? You're going to worship demons. Then the Lord will scatter you among all the people from one of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known. Wood and stone. You get trapped. When you get trapped in that curse, the next thing you know, you're worshiping demons. You never dreamed in a million years you had done it, but you will. Let's, let's see, we've got one more scripture. 60, uh, 65 and 66. I'm going to go to 65 real quick. I'm sorry. And then I'll read 66 too. Uh, man, what is this too? This one's in uh, walking or living in fear. Woo! Yes. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place, but there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes and anguish of soul. Wow. You get wrapped up in the curse. You don't obey God quickly, diligently, pay attention. Next thing you know. Your, your whole life's going to be consumed with fear. Fear-based living is the exact opposite of faith-based living. And we've got a lot of church people walking in the spirit of fear. This whole COVID thing exposed a lot of that. But this is the shaking that God's doing. And look, if you're one of those people who got fearful with COVID, repent. God will change that. God will forgive you, and he'll give you a heart of courage. We have an awesome God. Well, let's just close this thing out. John, can we go to image one? Now, these next images I want to show you. Down here where that vertical line is, that's 1962-63 when we took God out of schools. Every one of these charts will have that. When I saw this on TV, David Bartell was talking about they originally did 70 of these questions, 70 of them, and every one of them did the same exact thing. When we took God out, prayer out of school, the drastic change, depending on the question, went up or down drastically. This is not a coincidence. But see, this is family stability here. Single-parent households, no spouse, Husbands began to leave. In 62, look, it was, uh, it was way down. Uh, that's in the millions. So in the whole United States, we may have had 5 million women struggling in a single. And a lot of those probably were for reasons maybe the husband died or something. Wasn't necessary. But look how it jumps up. We take God and prayer out of our schools, and the next thing you know, single parent. Women are having to raise their kids without dad at home. Until, I think most of these end in 94 or 97. So, again, less than a generation. Can you imagine now? That's 94. Imagine now. It would go up off that chart. Less than a generation. Millions upon millions upon millions of women having to raise their children without dad. Why? Because the curse because mom and dad or dad or mom or both are not diligently obeying the word of God. 
taking, hinging on every word that he says, carefully watching, listening. Let's go to our next one. Morality. Uh, morality. Look at this. Sexually transmitted diseases, gonorrhea. Look at that age group. 10 to 14 years old. Now, that, that, that's a small area, window. Imagine if we had included people up to 35 or 40 years old. But this is just this children. Our children began to be sexually active. Look at that. Way down low. And as soon as we take God out of uh, prayer out of school, boom. Wow. And notice this dip down around in the 80s. Getting close to the time where uh, Reagan came on the scene. You, so these charts, a lot of them show the same thing. When we get a godly man in office, when Reagan came in, you see some dips there. Okay, let's go to our next one. Violent behavior. Look at that. Almost down to negative one. And as soon as we took prayer out of the schools, violent crime just skyrockets. This is not a coincidence. I mean, I could see maybe one or two, but the same exact date every time. As soon as we took God out of our schools, it just skyrockets or plummets. I think we've got one more. Educational achievement. Has the devil moved in on our schools the devil wants to indoctrinate our children, and he's doing a darn good job of it. Back in the times of uh, before, when you get into pre, we had prayer in school. Bibles were in schools. And then all of a sudden we take prayer out of school, and our educational grade point averages just plummet. Down to nothing. We're raising a bunch of dumbed down people and then they get out into the workforce and they even go into the church and they're so dumbed down and bound up with curses that we don't see breakthrough and miraculous things all we see is more cursing church can you see how important this is that we get to pray and that we we don't depend on a red wave jesus is our savior Jesus is the one we depend on. He doesn't need a red wave. He doesn't, all he needs is you to listen and obey every single thing he says without question. And when you do that, you move into the blessing. And it can get as rotten and crappy in this world as, as the devil wants to make it. But let me just leave you with this. I've been studying. The Lord's had me in Psalm 33. Man. I, the reason why I want to leave you with this is... I. We, church, we may be in for some very trying times ahead, okay? You need to be prepared, but start listening to Holy Spirit. Listen to this. Psalm 33, 18, and 19. And there's many scriptures like this, but this is just where the Lord's had me. But the Lord watches over those who fear Him, those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death. And he keeps them alive in times of famine. You get in the blessing. 
and we're going to see this next week when we move into individual away from the national and into individuals you're going to see it doesn't matter what's going on around if you'll walk in faith you'll meditate on the word day and night i don't care all hell can be breaking loose but your leaf will not wither you'll bear fruit he'll see to it father we thank you for this word tonight thank you for jesus who purchased with his own blood the doorway to blessing holy spirit i'm asking you tonight to fill our hearts spirit of truth come in fresh anointing today right now right now help us to obey help us to learn how to repent and change our thinking start taking you seriously so that we can begin to hear your voice again and when we hear it that we'll be quick to obey because lord evil is all around us but you are so much greater than all the evil that may be surrounding us now for you have provided a place of blessing for those who love you, trust you, and rely on you. So we just give you all praise tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Don't forget tomorrow night's Ignite the Fire pamphlets out front. Be salt, be light.